So, hey, thing of tears. Let's have an interesting week. What do you think, Nancy? Yeah, interesting is a really good way to put it. Um, Because I'm here now. Yeah, I know. You're here. It's awesome. But... You say that. <laughs> you see, the thing is... I kind of made other plans. <gasps> Excuse me? Well, I knew you'd have no interest in it and i needed a sports fix really bad oh you're seeing so, that bad <laughs> you're watched, cheating on me now yeah i watched wrestlemania ew <laughs> and i have thoughts so nancy let's talk about it I, you know what? i think i'm okay you know you sure yeah you know i actually know somebody who might be way better for that conversation than i ever would be maybe i can call him up for you really quick that might help. Um, maybe you could also help answer a question that, you know, you and I are needing to talk about at some point, but spoiler alerts, hot dogs or sandwiches. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert. No, they're not. <laughs> we'll save that for another day when you actually have. Because I've got to talk to Mr. Junkie here because I can't keep him waiting. All right. Well, you go have fun with Mr. PC and J and I will come back for when you're ready to talk about stuff I'm interested in. This relationship has to work two ways, you know? Yeah, I know. That's why we're talking about Tiger King too. <laughs> See, there we go. I'll be here for that. I know. I know. I appreciate your patience with us. I will. I, as, as a partner in this with you, I understand we need some distance sometimes. If you have someone that can pique an interest for you. Go right ahead. Have fun with that. I'll be I'll be right here waiting when when you're ready to come back. I, I I greatly appreciate you understanding that there are certain things I have needs for. I appreciate that. We all have needs, awesome. and wrestling is not one of mine. No, usually it's not one of mine either. Fucking coronavirus, man. <laughs> it's making this all really weird, guys. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um. On that note, I'm going to kick it over to some recording I did with Mr. Junkie. We're going to talk at length for WrestleMania. Um, they're weird-ass thing. They did it over two nights because apparently it was two big four one night. Oh, no. I. You know what? On that note, I'm out. Here's part one. All right, thing of tears. Miss Nancy's off doing Miss Nancy things. Hopefully keeping her social distancing while she does it. But we are lucky enough to be joined the date after WrestleMania by the one and only pop culture junkie to kind of dissect this unique, unique format they took this year with a part one and two. So, how are you, Mr. Junkie? I am staying uh, as sane as possible indoors. And uh, we have the amazing genius that is Vince McMahon to thank for two crazy nights of uh, wrestling entertainment, even though the rest of the world is completely shut down. Yeah, but, you know, I'm kind of thankful I needed a sports fix. I really did. Yeah, you must have needed one for, for this show. <laughs> I, you don't understand. Usually I'm about, uh, about two weeks into baseball season at this point. You know, second week starting up. I've probably watched every game. I've got some things going on i got fantasy going for me right. basketball to supplement that getting into the playoff hunt i'm not even a big basketball fan but i actually will sit and watch about this time of year because it's just i like drama for playoffs sure you know march madness was just wrapping up and all of that's missing 
So thank you, Vince, for giving us two nights of empty arena wrestling. And I want to address that elephant in the room first. That was awkward. It was, yeah, uh, for the longest, everyone, and I say everyone in the wrestling community, internet wrestling community, whatever you want to call them, everyone's thinking, okay, baseball's not going to happen, basketball's not happening, football, blah, 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 all these things are being postponed or canceled or pushed back, movie theaters aren't even showing th- you know, movies anymore, uh, theaters aren't doing plays, everything's getting shut down, uh, all because of what's happening in the world, it's a real serious thing, obviously, not taking anything away from that. Um, so we're like, okay, so wrestling as well, you know, it's, it's hello, it's a show. So it also, it also needs to be just postponed because you can't have, you know, multiple people gathering in a room to watch the show, let alone multiple people in a ring. But, uh, then if you think that's going to happen, you don't know Vince McMahon because, uh, if Vince doesn't want to do something, he doesn't do it. He's he's a stubborn old bastard, <laughs> and uh, he's like, no, we're gonna still do this. And it's like, but this is WrestleMania, the biggest show. You're used to having eighty thousand plus people inside of a arena or stadium. Uh, you're still gonna do a show? How? It's like, oh, just take out the audience. We don't have the audience. Okay, and that's that, not gonna be weird. <laughs> yeah, that really hurts some of the performances because you could tell a lot of these matches were rehearsed for the audience one of the biggest tells on that was and we'll get into the matches themselves in a minute um kevin owens match you could tell that that was a moment when he reaches for the microphone and pulls it he doesn't need the microphone no you could hear them in the ring grunting like you're watching some questionable other uh viewing material yes Uh, there's parts where you could look away from the screen and just hear what's happening and you're thinking uh am i watching Joe Exotic's private home video collection. What's going on here? Oh, Joe Exotic, the meme the world needed at the right time. Exactly. <sighs> yeah, I, I just like, okay, we're going to... They have had Raw and SmackDown for the last, I want to say, three weeks now since everything has been you know, slowly shutting down. And they've been ta- uh, taping uh, shows in the Performance Center, their own private building, and uh, what they've done for like Raw and SmackDown, they'll do like one to two matches on the show, and then for the other hour, they'll just replay some random WrestleMania match from prior years, uh, just to fill up time. And even the one or two matches you would see on Raw and SmackDown, they're obviously taped; they're not live. Uh, you can hear them in the ring. It's awkward. There's no crowd to muffle the sounds they make, and. If they're calling their spots, you're going to hear them mumbling it more, and it just makes it awkward. You could almost hear the commentators uh, without even being on a microphone, and you could hear the wrestlers in the ring uh, talking trash to each other without the mics. So Yeah, yeah. because it was awkward. And I mean, I do appreciate, you know, to an extent, hearing them call some of their spots a little more clearly and such, because it's an aspect of that you never usually get to see. So it does show you more, I guess, how technical everything is. Yeah. So it was interesting enough, but it helped. I mean, some match formats they did completely wouldn't have used a crowd anyway. Um, You know, over the two nights with the Boneyard match and the Firefly match, those didn't really require an audience the way those were done. But the, definitely the matches, you know, and we can talk as much as we want about Hallway Fights in the movie um, all we want. 
But again, that one didn't suffer as badly because there wasn't a crowd. That one more suffered because it was, we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. So I guess without further ado, let's jump into night one, or I'm sorry, WrestleMania day one, part one. How did they officially brand it? Uh, so, <laughs> because obviously WrestleMania is only on uh, Sunday, one night every year. Uh, to uh, I just think it's funny how WWE is, they're just so odd where they can't be like anyone else. And that's fine if you want to be unique, but they're almost to the point where you're like, you're just stubborn and you kind of make yourself look ridiculous. Instead of just coming out and saying, hey, because of the pandemic that the world's facing we still want to put on a show for you so we're going to do this 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 they didn't come out right and just say we're doing it this way for this reason and it's like well duh we know that but at least you're being honest instead they changed the the theme of the show to uh too big for just one night so we had to do it on two nights when actually it's like no you knew people aren't going to sit there for eight and a half hours straight and watch a show with no audience because that's what WrestleMania has become now is like an eight hour show, which is insane as, as it is for when you're at a live arena, a live crowd, but that's why they had to chop it up into two nights. Okay. That's actually what I was, something I was going to ask was, was, did we get more or less content out of this? I think uh, we well now we pretty much got the same as the last year or two because um, WrestleMania has had uh, cards where you have like fifteen matches in a show. It doesn't need to be that many. The problem is they have gotten to the point where they're like, you know what? Let's find every way possible to put everyone on the card. And I'm like, this is WrestleMania. You should be earning your spot. Uh, to be on that card. So if you don't have a good storyline or a good feud going in, then, hey, you're just not on the card because you're just you're going to take up space for time for other matches. And now they've just stretched it out so long to being an eight-hour show. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, like, you imagine starting the show at, like, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon almost with the kickoffs. They do, like, a two-hour kickoff. Then the show starts. I mean, it's, like, it's just too much. And the fans have been exhausted by the time you get to the really good ones at the end, like your main events. Uh, the fans are exhausted and just like, I'm ready to go. I've eaten like three orders of burgers from the food court. I'm, I just want to go. Yeah, yeah, I've spent almost $500 <clears throat> just being here on food. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not just you by yourself anyway. It's always you and a group that go to the things. So it's always mm -hmm. spend X amount. It's just too much time in a stadium. Yeah. So maybe this is... A blessing in a sense that this was able to happen this way i would like to see them take into consideration that if you're going to have this like this you know you need to really condense it down to i mean wrestlemania when i started watching wrestling uh which was the first wrestlemania was three hours three hours and they still managed to get like nine ten matches or more sometimes even but the matches were a lot shorter you know, there were maybe five minutes or so. You didn't have uh, 15 minutes of video packages to, you know, recap everything in the story, you know, before every match. So they've really, you know, filled it up with a lot of filler that you could just go straight to the matches and, and still have some other stuff if you want. But there's no reason for it to be the, as long as it is. Well, and I, I could say that because some of the matches here did seem like they went on too long. 
And Way too long, yes. We'll talk about those when we hit them, but I guess let's jump right in with match number one from day one. Um, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss go against the Kabuki Warriors for the women's tag title. Yeah, uh, I love both tag teams. I'm a fan of all four women. Um, sadly, they have not done anything with the uh, women's tag titles much uh, since they brought them back. They like to say these are the first women's tag belts in history, but... WWF actually had women's tag belts back in the 80s, and they just kind of forget about their own history. Um, but the Kabuki Warriors, they have not defended those titles since uh, December at the TLC pay-per-view, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's been a few months since they actually defended the belts, so it was nice to see them actually have a match to you know, put the belts on the line. Uh, but I thought it was an okay match. I thought they, everyone you know did fine for what they had to work with. Um, and I was going in hoping for the Kabuki Warriors to retain and not necessarily just go back to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross because they were, I think, if I remember right, they're the ones that that lost the belts to the Kabuki Warriors. I could be wrong, yes. but I think they were. They were. I actually saw that match. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. They lost the belts to the Kabuki Warriors, and that was... That was like September of last year or something. It was on Raw, I remember. Yes, it was like... September or October of last year because I had just decided mm-hmm. to watch a random Raw because we were talking about something. Yeah. So, what you? I mean, you liked the match though. You know, I enjoyed it. This match got me into. So I'll be honest. I watched both nights. I watched day one this morning actually, and I watched day two live. Hmm. So, I um got a little bit more into day one because this match was a better hype up match than what day two's was i think hmm. um but this really again it's just for me it was weird seeing this without a crowd because i'd expect to see the crowd into it during some of these moments when they're on the ground and making those comebacks and coming up yeah and then, you know during the pin and the epic roar because i know alexa bliss has a lot of fans Oh, yes. You know, she's got a lot of fans, and her winning the match, that place would have been on its feet screaming. Uh, Yeah, and... And honestly, they could have at least maybe piped in some crowd noise to fill that uh, awkwardness. (laughs) I mean... I would not have been mad at Vince for saying there were 80,000 people in his performance center. I wouldn't have. (laughs) It was a capacity uh, crowd. we'll, We'll get into this when we get to the match later, but I was saying prior to this, I said, okay... This is a taped WrestleMania. They've taped the matches a week ago leading up to this. They're, so they're going to edit it and put it together as you know any way they want to. I was like, two things. Number one, this is going to be the most botchless show ever because they could easily be like, oh, wait, cut. Redo that move. Okay, do it again. Because yeah. in this match, if you remember the end of it, Alexa Bliss does her twisted bliss, her moonsault, uh, mm-hmm. spinning moonsault, as she, you know, she calls it. She lands on uh, Kyrie's legs. She doesn't even land on her. She's supposed to land on her stomach, chest area. If she lands on her on her legs, and that's how she get the win. It's like uh, no, just redo that. Hey, Bliss, get back up on the top rope, hit it one more time. But uh, yeah, there was like one right there. Number two, since it's taped and edited and produced heavily because it's a you know pre-taped show. Why not pipe in audience cheers and boos? And if uh, we have a certain somebody named Roman Reigns wrestling that night, it's the first time you're going to guarantee that you could have a crowd cheering for the guy because you just pipe in the, the cheers. 
<laughs> and you wouldn't hear him chant CM Punk either. No, it'd be a first ever for that. I mean, Vince, marketing, you could have claimed you had a capacity crowd as your performance center. I mean, I'm sure he'll still milk it. He'll still, you know, inflate the the numbers. He does that with every WrestleMania uh, spoiler in case anyone ever thinks that whatever they say during WrestleMania, you know, they'll announce somewhere during the show. We're proud to announce this. You know, we're we have an uh, attending audience of 80,500 people. It's like actually they only have about 60,000 or, or less. So they always inflate their numbers, which like, why do you do that? Just be on. Be happy you have who you have there. So, to be fair, yeah, sure fifty thousand like people show up for uh, a wrestling match. Yeah, to be fair, fifty thousand people show up in one spot for a wrestling match. That's something to be proud of, right? It's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> More than some professional sports teams pull. Yep. So yeah, so the Kabuki Warriors dropped the belt. Cross and Bliss win, so they're now the champions for the tag, and we can move on. And we'll talk about. Not the next match, because really, I don't really care about Elias and Corbin. I don't. Nope. Um, Elias beat him. He beat him over the head a few times with the guitar. Couple well, moves, couple here, couple there. The, the thing that pissed me off about this one is Elias cracks his guitar over Corbin right before the match even starts. Corbin is the heel. He gets in the ring and the ref keeps going, are you want to start this match? Do you want to start this match? You're a heel. Why would you want to start a match when you just got beat up with a guitar? Just say, no, I don't want to fight this guy. I'm a heel. Right. They still have the match. Like, no. (laughs) And nothing happened. It wasn't memorable. No, it wasn't. The next matchup is Becky Lynch against um, Baszler. Oh, Shayna Baszler. Santa Baszler, thank you. I can't Shana pronounce Baszler, her last yep. name. Yeah, I paid attention to this match. I watched. I saw the ending. I wasn't really. In, I, I'm talking about it because it was a championship match, but it wasn't an interesting championship match. This was like okay. This is the technically third match on the main card. We're not going to talk about kickoff. So third match on the card mm-hmm. of the first night, and you have Becky defending the Raw Women's Title that she has held. Since last year at WrestleMania, when she beat Ronda Rousey in a triple threat match with Charlotte, but she beat Ronda and Charlotte in the main event to win both the women's and Raw Smack uh, women's Raw and SmackDown titles, which Ronda and Charlotte each held at that show. Becky went in with no titles; she left with both, and now she's the third match on the first night of this two night show. That surprised me right there to not have her higher on the card later in the night, at least like second to last on one of the two nights. But yeah, right. that's weird. And then you have Shayna Baszler, who is a she's a former UFC fighter. She's mm-hmm. friends with Ronda in real life and such. And she has been kicking ass in NXT. She was a NXT women's champ uh, two times over the last like two years. She held that belt. And I thought she was awesome in, in uh, NXT. She's not the greatest on the mic. That's the only area I think she still needs work on. But this match, I was really looking forward to it long before they began like promoting it. Once they started promoting it, I could care less. They did a horrible job bringing her onto the main roster. And that's I sound like a broken record all the time because I'm always saying, another NXT person brought up to the main roster and blah, 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 blah. they don't do anything right with them. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah. that can the title. If, if you know, uh, like, okay, Baszler is a UFC fighter, so she she's supposed to be you would you would compare her to Brock because of the UFC background. Uh, so she should be easily you know easy to just dominate her opponents. They brought her in at uh, Elimination Chamber, the the last pay per view before we had to shut everything down, so you still had an audience. She dominated all five women in that Elimination Chamber match. She beat all of them. So she comes into this match against Lynch, and she loses to a roll up. Basically, she puts her sleeper hold on Becky. Becky rolls backwards over her to get the pin. And this was the same move that uh, Kyrie Sane won the NXT women's title from Shayna in NXT like a year or two ago. Uh, <laughs> so it was like, wait, this is this, this is her kryptonite? That one move she can't get out of? That's how you always beat Baszler then? Okay. Everyone knows how to beat Baszler from now on. I guess so. That's... Yep. That seems like just... There could have been more to this, especially considering that Becky Lynch was able to defeat Ronda. There was even a possibility that Ronda could have come back at WrestleMania. I don't yeah, think there she's was, going to. Is there she was hope ever that going she would, to? She would do a run-in or something, but I think maybe there would have been a better chance of her doing that if they were at a live crowd show, not the empty arena. Um, the last I've heard of anything is uh, Ronda still wants to have babies. That's why she hasn't uh, come back, even though she is still under contract with WWE, because uh, I know they're still making action figures and whatnot with her and probably doing publicity stuff, but I mean, that's the last I've heard. I th- she feels like she's one of those ones that Vince signed to a special contract. She can basically do what she wants to draw a paycheck because of her name will sell things. Yeah, I, I mean, and it would. So, you know, more power to her. So, but I, but I think she's probably one of the best to come in and pick up the, the sport of professional wrestling all pretty much better than any woman I've ever seen. I mean, she's a natural athlete, of course, from her UFC oh, yeah. and Olympics, but she came in and it's like, holy crap, you're like good. You know, people had doubts jumping from anytime there's a an athlete from like football or, or UFC that comes in. There's always like, okay, just because you did a legit sport doesn't mean you can do this because it's not the same thing, but people think it is. But she, I thought she kicked ass. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Nice to see her back. So it would. The next match on the on the card was the Intercontinental Championship. Daniel and, Bryan against Sami Zayn, and it was. Uh, eh. Yeah, I mean, Sami Zayn retained. Uh, I don't know why he likes to dress like Fidel Castro, but that's his look he's that, going for now. Yeah, I saw that, and him and his little group. Because wasn't Nakamura the title holder at one point as well? He was, yeah, he was the title holder, and then uh, Braun won the title. Um, I I don't even remember now, but he won the title. And right, because that's uh, when he was feuding. That's when him and AJ Styles had teamed up at one point. Yeah, during that when he won the title. Yeah. Or it was, no, it was not him and AJ Styles. It was him and Seth Rollins, wasn't it? Because they both had the titles, and then the titles went on the line. And Well, they had uh, Sammy, uh, Sammy Cesaro and Shinsuke in a three-on-one match against Braun. And whoever pinned or submitted uh, Braun would win the title. And everyone thought, okay, it's going to be Shinsuke because he was the last champion. But uh, instead, Sammy got the win because Cesaro and Shinsuke let him get the win. And it's like, okay, but the thing was, Sammy hadn't even been wrestling in, in months. Uh, He's, he was technically their manager. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
I mean, it's like, so, let's, let's have, you know, Bobby, the brain Heenan come in and pin somebody to win the belt. Okay. He's a, he used to wrestle, but not now. <laughs> so we'll move into the next one. Cause the next match, I think for me, one, it's unique Two, it was made because of the times we're in with the restrictions and the guidelines and the social distancing protocols. That's I think where we got the premise of this match and this match would have been much better with a crowd, but was still really good without one. And that's the, the latter match. Yeah, originally it should have uh, been Morrison and Miz against the Usos, against Kofi and Big E. Yeah, so against their moment of the... That's part of the New Day, and the mm-hmm. Usos and Morrison and Miz. So they all should have been... Should have been all four, all, all what, two, six. four, six of them in yeah. the ring. But we can't have that many people, plus announcers and camera crews in the room. Well, that's part of it. But also the Miz in in real life, not storyline. In real life, uh, he showed up at the performance center when they were starting to do, I guess, tapings for other things or get ready to do tapings for Mania, mm-hmm. and he was legit sick. Not not COVID, not Corona related. They have they've said clear he doesn't have that. It's just he's you know sick, and he was sick. So they're like, well, he can't wrestle. He can't do this. So we have to change plans. Uh, and that will actually segue into the uh, match later on with uh, where Roman Reigns was originally advertised. That led to Roman realizing, I don't need to be here, uh, and got out of town as well. But the Miz So is Roman's the, the only one this... who actually said, you know what, I don't care. My safety came first. Uh, he was probably the, well, I know there's a couple other people that have said, you know, I wasn't going to do it. I'm not going to show up for this. Um, but yeah, he was the one that really put it out there on it. He put it out there on his social media, letting everyone know I'm not doing this, even though the, they kept advertising him for the match until like three days ago. <laughs> but even gotcha. on uh, SmackDown, uh, I think it was on this past week, SmackDown they had, and this was all pre-taped of course. So it was like, they had all this stuff taped and didn't think to call an audible or something and, and just show, uh, a, you know, you could easily just put a still image and uh, say, oh, change of plans, this happened, whatever. Uh, but they were still advertising Morrison and Miz and the Usos and uh, both New Day guys all part of this matchup uh, before uh, the weekend. So, yeah, we still thought we were going to get all six men in the match. And so that's where this becomes interesting because I guess the point is you have to get the both belts. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a ladder match where they put the title belt, whether it's a singles match or a tag title match. You put the belts above the ring. Nowadays, they have them hanging on this stupid golden hanger thing. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, I hate that. It used to be just a ring hanging from the ceiling or from from a, a, a cable, and then the you know to win the match, you had to climb up, pull the belts off of the ring, and just you know hold the title. Now they have them hanging on this golden hanger and you don't grab the belts or titles. You have to just unhook the hanger and uh, you have to be like off of the ladder on the ground holding that and you're the winner. So that kind of leads to the end of this match because this was a great match, but the ending was a little interesting. Yeah, the match was great. Uh, you can go on network on the W network and you'll see uh, Morrison, the Usos and Kofi Kingston. You'll see all of these guys in previous ladder matches and they're amazing. They know how to, you know, how to do it. And the matches were, the match itself was great. 
but we get to the ending and uh we see all three of them holding the hanger at once with the belt still attached and they like headbutt morrison and he just falls backwards grabbing the belts as they you know come off the the hanger and that's how he wins and retains yeah it's (laughs) like it's a weird ending but it was they did really good they did. I just I don't think that ending put any of them over necessarily, except unless they're just trying to go with like, okay, Ms. Morrison can't beat people, but they can get by on a on a you know on a whim something. Right. Yeah. Which that's the way they're gonna go with their characters. I I mean then mission accomplished, I guess. Yeah, mission accomplished yeah. for sure. Now, the next match is probably my favorite match out of both nights. Um Kevin Owens against Seth Rollins. The article I have pulled up just to keep me on track says they he won via DQ, but that's inaccurate because there really isn't a disqualification at this in the end. Right, because they have a regular match at first. And then... And then uh, Rollins... Oh, here's the thing. Rollins, in the build of this match, he was hyping his win-loss record at Mania, which he has lost one match out of the... Mm-hmm. Like six, he's had. He he was one, you know, five of them or something. So you're going into this bragging about how you never lose at Mania, and then you purposely get yourself disqualified so that you lose your your match, and you're still happy about it. He was still smiling at that point, and then that's when Kevin Owens says, "No, no, 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 we ain't doing this. I want a no DQ match right now." And I agree to it. Yeah, it's like, wait, you're why are you agreeing to this? You're the heel, Rollins. And uh, who decided you can do this? Where's the who's who's the uh, general manager or the uh, the main manager of the show? No, we don't even have that kind of gimmick anymore. So who said we could go ahead and continue this match? The referee agreed to it. (laughs) Referee agreed to it. He's the GM. Yeah. But so here's, I guess, my question for this one, because it seemed like there was a lot of build up to this match between those two, because this wasn't a title on the line or any of that. Mm-mm. or I'm sorry, a championship on the line. Um, this was, because everything we've talked about up to now was basically a, a championship on the line, except for the one we skipped over with Corbin and Elias. Um, yeah. And that one I know probably had some buildup. I just wasn't interested in it. No, this not match, really. This match was good enough on its own for me to be interested to know what built up to this with Seth Rollins now calling himself the Monday Night Messiah and apparently Kevin Owens still being the anti-establishment guy that he was when he fought against uh, Shane on what SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, so Rollins who has been a, a, a face, a good guy. Uh, they, they finally found a way to turn him heel again. And he kind of had a gimmick going uh, where uh, he was being accused of like siding up with uh, a tag team that were, were heels and Owens is like, come on, buddy. I know you're joining up with these guys. I know you're you're actually in charge of them, you know, jumping people and doing these things. And Rollins is like, no, no, man, I'm, I'm I don't do that. I'm not that I'm a you know, good guy and all that. And then in, in the end, of course, it's revealed. Oh, he is actually part of the tag team and he's a leader of this new stable. And uh, he brought he, he had AOP and uh, Buddy Murphy join him. So he had a full on stable for a while and. Uh, unfortunately, one of the members of AOP got injured, so they're out for right now. And um, the story, the reason this was pushed so heavy is uh, due to the discussion we've had before about them having part-time champions as your main champions, uh, such as Lesnar and Goldberg. 
and uh, Lesnar was uh, what WWE champion on Raw, but he's never there. And so you have to have some other story going on to intrigue the fans. And this was the top story being pushed on Raw for every week uh, because you don't have your world champion there to do any kind of uh, storyline gimmick for a while. There's months that go by. Pay-per-views have come and gone without the champ on there because, you know, Lesnar only works a set amount of dates and he never wrestles on TV. So this was why it was pushed so much as, you know, a, a main uh, story, even though there's no belt, because again, you know, Lesnar had the title. <laughs> gotcha. And I think one that Lesnar re- wrestling on TV is a whole another a whole another thing. But <laughs> yeah, we um, this match gave Kevin Owens his WrestleMania moment, though. Oh, it did. So um, everybody yeah, usually has awesome. one, and his that's a big old boy. Yeah, and. As much as I know it was rehearsed, that had to hurt. Oh, I mean, you had to be spot on. That was a that was a tricky uh, dive or elbow drop. Actually, is what you kind of uh, hit there. But I mean, you're off just a little bit, and you're you're just flatlining yourself. Yeah, and that I I thought that was a great spot. I I saw Kevin Owens had tweeted on either Sunday or earlier this morning. He posted a tweet. Somebody had posted about uh, saying like, "Oh man, you know." Uh, if they had had the show in Tampa where it was scheduled to be and uh, they have like a giant pirate ship there, of course. Yep. Um, he was like, uh, wow, I would have loved to see this, you know, be part of your match. And Kevin Owens retweeted saying, oh, actually, I was there, you know, a few months back and I was looking all around at ideas and I saw that ship, too. And that's something I would have tried to jump off of for for the moment instead. <laughs> that would have been cool. Yeah. If they had set the run up close enough to it, that would have been cool. But that was just, it was good. And this was just a well-done match. Seth Rollins is a really, from what I can tell at least, he seems to be a really good wrestler in general. And so does Kevin Owens in, in their own right. So they just seem to be two just really good who actually can wrestle and both well to carry their persona. Oh, they are. And it, it by all account, to me, this should have been for a title this should have been for the universal or wwe title there's no reason it shouldn't be yeah because let's real quickly we'll move up a moment here um let's talk about that universal championship match that we can probably recount quicker than the match happened maybe we we might be able to so Strowman against goldberg goldberg i mean goldberg yes Goldberg. goldberg and here's the here's the recap Goldberg spear, 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 and then Strowman's power slam, power slam, power slam, power slam. Count out, he wins. The oh, no, 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 you, you missed a few moves on there. So first we have Goldberg spear, spear. <sighs> oh yeah, he has to sit okay. out of breath for a little bit first. Spear, but you can <laughs> see why he went on a nearly two-year-long undefeated streak, Mister Junkie. <laughs> 22 years ago <laughs> look you know that capacity crowd was like really into it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> then okay you know the the okay goldberg's not just a one-trick pony he's got more than one move he's got okay. a second move okay it's called the jackhammer yeah but <laughs> and right. uh did you see that they barely even came close to attempting to have him do that move like they tried, and they like he put him in. It. Yeah, he got his head under. Like he got Strowman's head in the headlock, 
and then Strowman quickly, you know, reverses out of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was thinking, how are they going to pull this off with Goldberg? Like, let's say he actually hits the the jackhammer, or well, as best he could. But let's say they were like, okay, Goldberg, you're going to hit the jackhammer on him, and then Strowman's going to kick out, and then you know he'll hit his finisher and win or whatever. Uh, I'm like, well, how are they going to maybe pull that off if they try to let Goldberg uh, do the uh, jackhammer? Because just uh, what last year we had in Saudi at the uh, Crown Jewel, we had uh, or Super Greatest Show, I don't know, whatever that Saudi show was called. They had Goldberg versus the Undertaker. Oh lord! And uh, he he damn near killed Undertaker in the ring trying to do the jackhammer. He he basically dropped him on his head. And it looked like it almost killed uh, Goldberg to put the move. And then just uh, last month, whenever Goldberg won the Universal title uh, from The Fiend, uh, I, uh, well, he I don't hit the jackhammer, but it was a suplex, not a jackhammer. <laughs> so The Fiend lost the title to Goldberg from a suplex. And so I, I thought, how, how is Braun going to get jackhammered? First of all, I think the fiend losing the title to Goldberg was stupid anyway. It was dumb. There was like no need for it. I mean, the fiend has become similar to The Undertaker, where you don't need a belt. You don't need a title to be over with the crowd and the fans. Because uh, a lot of people look at the titles as, oh, it's just a prop to get you more over. Um, you know, I've always been like, uh, well, I think the, the person makes the title, not the title makes the person. But and I mean... Yeah, because yeah. let's go ahead and we'll actually talk about what is WrestleMania without The Undertaker. And yeah. we're going to talk about the first of two cinematic matches they tried over these two nights. And this was the last match on the card day one. Yep, you have a main event of day one. This was a hell of a way to close your main event day one. The Undertaker against AJ Styles in a like cheesy B-movie extended fight scene. Felt like it belonged like in like The Evil Dead. The beginning part kind of reminded me of like Mortal Kombat with them showing up, you know, the little intro, the the names and everything. Yeah. Like they're just getting ready and then fight. That just, it reminded me of that. Yeah. I mean, and there's, I'm sure, and before we really talk about just getting into this for a minute, I want to know what some of, what's the backstory? Why did AJ Styles go, why is he calling out The Undertaker? Uh, so at the last, uh, well, yeah, it was one that Goldberg won the the title from Fiend at the uh, uh, Crown Jewel, the last Saudi show they did. Uh, at that show, they had the... I forget the name they called this trophy to win, but they had a tournament, so they do tournament matches at all these Saudi shows. And Styles was in the, the main, uh, the finals for that. And during the match, Undertaker hits his gong, or the gong hits, and then the lights go out, lights come back on, Undertaker's in the ring, and he choke slams AJ costing him the, uh, the the match and the win and all that. Uh, or no, he pinned him. That's right. He pinned AJ and he won the uh, trophy. <laughs> um, which because we'll Undertaker. Refer, but we'll never refer to those ever again. They win these stupid tournaments in Saudi and then they never refer to the championships or the belts or the trophy or whatever again. It's whatever. But that's where that started. And then the following week, AJ just started you know getting on uh, promos, you know, cutting down the, the Undertaker saying, you're old. And your wife Michelle should tell you to you know retire, but she keeps needing you to you know get those paychecks. And uh, by the way, real quick, have you seen? I know you've seen Tiger King. But yes. Have you seen on any social media the uh, video of 
Undertaker and his wife, his real life wife, Michelle McCool, uh, with the Tigers. Have you seen that anywhere on, on, on like Twitter or anything? I have not. Okay. They they have it looks like they're at their home, but they could be somewhere else. I don't know exactly where. But they're in a pool and they have a tiger laying across the on uh, on the side of the pool there. They're standing in the water and the tiger's on the side of the pool. And they're talking to you almost like it's uh, like a Sarah McLaughlin video saying, we have to save the Tigers or else they'll never rest in peace or something like that. Um, <laughs> real quick, the Tigers that they're talking about there and that ha- they had there came from, uh, what's his name, Doc Antle, the guy from Myrtle Beach. Oh, okay. Yeah, so nice little uh, tie-in there for what's happening right now. <laughs> uh tiger king has many reaches apparently yeah. there's also a new a new episode coming that was re- that they were talking about there's like one more episode they're going to be filming and releasing as a follow-up oh yeah i heard about that because there was uh somebody that got one of those cameo videos from the uh from jeff, jeff Lowe guy yeah, yeah. <sighs> tiger yeah, king think... thoughts soon tiger thing caught soon tiger king thoughts will be soon <laughs> oh, i'll be looking forward to hearing that but Let's let's get, I gotta get back we gotta get back on topic here because this match was something else. So they had the tigers on the lab. So he's calling them out what for like the lavish lifestyle and his wife if she thinks they're running low on money sends him out to fight. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, uh, yeah. So Michelle McCool is uh, being part of the storyline even though she's not on the show. She wasn't even you know at the boneyard. I, was, I thought she was gonna make an appearance. Um, but yeah, the story was saying that. Uh, uh well first let's see AJ brings up calling Undertaker Mark Calloway his real name which I was like right which I mean why, everyone why knows are you doing that but... but but why do that on the show and then the whole time even at the Boneyard match you have Undertaker showing up and calling him all right Alan let's go Alan Jones which is AJ Styles' real name it's like okay <laughs> all right so I think all right but now I can understand the Undertaker. That at least the Undertaker is doing it. He's going to get called by my name. I'll call you by yours. Because at the end, yeah. he does say, what's my name? <laughs> oh, he says, no, no. He says, what's my wife's name? Huh? What's my wife's name? Which I don't know what her real name is. It's not Michelle McCool, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, do you remember yet? How about my name? <laughs> <laughs> Who's old now, son? The Undertaker's I mean, trash the... talk is on point. And I oh, like he, that they he was trashing him while he's punching him. And they gave him the biker look for this one, which was great. He showed up in the old, like, I guess when he first kind of started, oh. he had that motorcycle gang look, and I loved it. I, oh, okay. I loved and and was, like, still, I mean, maybe this is just being greedy. Uh, he, I don't know if you know about this, but, okay, obviously he started off as the Undertaker, looking like the, you know, the Grim Reaper kind of character or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, he, later on, he, uh, he, went out, he went away for about, nine months or so because he was injured and uh he came back to uh uh was it judgment day i think it was judgment i can't remember the period but it was in 2000 he came back but he debuted as the american badass the undertaker so he came out looking like a biker wearing jeans the the, the uh, biker vest bandana all that stuff rolled out on a motorcycle we're like this is the undertaker what happened to the uh but he did that for a while and he was calling himself big red evil or big evil and i liked it he came out to this is when he this is back when he came out to american badass by kid rock and then later on he came out to the uh rolling 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 by 
get my yeah yeah and with this he came out to metallica he rolled up to metallica yeah, which was nice. i, I liked that, that. i heard that playing i was like okay it's not it's not limb biscuits not kid rock metallica all right i mean it's not great metallica but it's metallica no, it's you know but it was great and he comes up on that biker look which i love but then they also tapped into him having his mystical powers still <laughs> at the end of the match which oh i love he raised his hands and all the flames came up yeah <laughs> i just the only the okay i had a lot of trouble comparing this to uh uh do you know who matt hardy is um i do the hardy boys okay. right yes so Matt Hardy came up with this character a few years back, uh, Broken Matt Hardy. He started doing it in uh, TNA as well and then companies. When he came back to WWE, he was just the Hardy Boys, and then eventually they did Woken Matt Hardy because they always have to change something. They can't have it the same way, which I'm actually glad they didn't try to get him to sell them his character because then WWE would own the Broken Matt Hardy character because right. now currently he's broken matt hardy in aew so even better but they had this match uh called the ultimate deletion uh which was like a it was a hardy compound it was like their compound around one of their houses and just like with the boneyard that was kind of like the similar uh thing we had a, a match outside with all kinds of gimmicks happening and they did do one in wwe where i think it was bray wyatt against matt hardy and uh, so this also reminded me of that. But Matt Hardy also, his uh, new gimmick has the uh, the power of teleportation. <laughs> and so seeing Undertaker do that, it's like, are we just copying AEW now? Because Undertaker's never really teleported before. Yeah, that's because the lights went off and <clears throat> it was just behind somebody. Yeah. And then he just kind of shows up, which I know the Undertaker's supposed to have his magical mystical powers, but mm-hmm. and I mean, but it works in this format, even the ridiculousness of him disappearing, it works in this format. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it, and it was a great way to end that first night. I, I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to at first. I didn't know what to... The, the, when they said, I'm going to challenge you in a Boneyard match, I'm like, what the hell is a Boneyard match? I know every match that's ever happened. What is this? See, and then that was, I was going to ask if this had ever happened before, a Boneyard match. No, it's, it's never happened. It's never been... I mean, technically, because of how it ended, where he actually... I, okay, first of all, things got really real at the end there, where AJ's had the, the just the crap beat out of him, and Undertaker's still standing over him. It's like, come on, come on, son. You wanted this. You, you, know, you did this. And you just start hearing AJ going, don't, don't bury me. I'm like, dude, this is getting a little real. Like, <laughs> he's really going to murder AJ and bury him alive. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they're fighting near a grave that uh, somebody's going to get thrown in there. And you see the, uh, the, the machinery in the background with the dirt. Someone's getting buried. And I'm like, they've had buried alive matches. Why not just call it a buried alive match? <laughs> right? Why isn't it just a buried uh, alive match? Yeah. But no, I, I enjoyed it, and I think it was a good change of things because Undertaker is not the Undertaker he was 10 years ago. He can't do the matches that he was able to do, and this made you still enjoy the Undertaker being part of the show. Uh, he can still, you know, he's wrestling, or he had a, it wasn't a wrestling match, he had a fight against AJ Styles, who people call him this generation's Shawn Michaels. 
huge compliment. Yeah. And and he can make anybody look like a million bucks. And he and Undertaker looked like a million bucks. Yeah. Because the Undertaker isn't what he used to be, and it's very clear. Yeah. And but, so, this match right here also, uh, you go back to SummerSlam 1996. There was a uh, Boiler Room Brawl match. Mm-hmm. Mankind, a.k.a. Mick Foley, had just come into the company earlier that year, and Undertaker and him had amazing history. Obviously, two years later, we had the unforgettable the Hell in a Cell. Yeah, yes. the cage. But we had, we've talked uh, about. Yes, we have. But we had the first ever uh, Boiler Room Brawl. And it was literally just the two of them fighting in, in, uh, in a boiler room of an arena. And then they eventually make their way out into the ring. That, as well, was pre-taped. They literally wheeled out, almost like you had TVs back in high school and, and junior mm-hmm. high. Uh, they wheeled out carts with TVs on it. This is before flat screens. And the audience just had to watch on uh, TVs that were in front of each side of the ring uh, of something they had taped a few days ago of them fighting in the back of the arena, back in the boiler room and hallways, and they are doing everything, beating the crap out of each other. And so I was like, well, if this is what it's going to be, I'm, I'm totally cool with it, because Undertaker's done it before, he can definitely pull this off. And I think he right. did. No, no, and this was a great way to end the first night. Like I said, I really enjoyed this match. It was super unique. It was different. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there's never been anything like it before. I don't know if there'll be a match much like it since. I don't know because I've I've heard rumors, especially because we don't know what's happening right now. It's a crazy time. Um, I've heard that they've had a lot of positive feedback from both uh, this match and the Firefly Funhouse one to where they may consider doing more cinematic, quote, cinematic uh, style uh, matches uh, because they can get, you know, they can get real creative. They can do anything they want. They're not limited to just what happens in the ring. They can do all kinds of crazy stuff. And something that honestly, that may be a little bit safer for the for the entertainers, for the performers, yeah. to do it that way because you can control how many people are on that set at a time. If you have to film certain sequences, you can use mm-hmm. stand-ins where need, etc. There's different well, ways they could do it. The last match Undertaker had was against Goldberg, where, like I mentioned a, bit, a minute ago, he damn near got his neck broken, head caved in from a really botched jackhammer attempt. Uh, Undertaker right. didn't have to do any of that in this. He just had to punch, and he was brawling. He was he was kicking the crap out of a guy that uh, insulted his wife. Okay, any one of us would just be kicking and beating the hell out of somebody for doing that. He didn't yeah, have this to was... do the flashy flying over the top rope, giant choke slams off of this, and you know walk the walk the ropes for a giant arm across the back. He didn't have to do all that. He just had to beat the snot out of a guy. Yeah, they just got to literally beat the crap out of people and defend his wife, and that's all that he needed to do in this. And it was yeah. honestly, I think this was my favorite thing I'd seen on this on the card. And yeah, other than I maybe think... the Kevin Owens match, the Kevin Owens match was great, and those are two matches that stand out as highlights of night one. Right, totally. So with that, but I thought that I thought that was a great ending for the first for the first night. Yes, and this was a better ending than <clears throat> night two's ending that we're gonna get to momentarily. <laughs> So, Mr. Junkie, if you don't mind sticking around for a minute, we're going to jump over and talk about part two after this. All right, Thingateers, have you ever wondered where you could be the first to find our uploads? Well, wonder no more. Check out our main Anchor page. It's anchor.fm forward slash a thing bod. While you're there, make sure to check out our links to Facebook and Twitter that are going to be pinned right up at the top of the page near the podcast description. 
we're going to take a break from wrestling to get my actual co-host back here because she decided to not be busy. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, the, the Rona, like, and I had like an appointment earlier. It's fine. We fixed it. We got everything taken care of. But what's important is that I'm here for the shit show. Yeah. I I'm mean, here for what matters. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> WrestleMania is a shit show all unto itself. But we've reached the golden mullet of shit shows. Yeah, listen here, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Guess who made it just in time to talk about Tiger King? Oh, <gasps> yes. I don't even know where to begin with this. Um, other than I... I I couldn't stop. No. And we're getting all right. And we're getting another episode of it. Just spoiler alert to everybody who hadn't heard it. And we've talked I, I think Mr. Junkie and I mentioned this at some point that we're getting another episode of Tiger King. Yes. Thanks to and a I, cameo video confirmation. <laughs> let's go. And then also By everybody's favorite con artist. Ooh. Yeah, Jeff Lowe is our confirmation source of them having wrapped shooting on another episode of Tiger King, the post-Rona Joe Exotic episode. Oh, that's amazing. I am so I'm excited assuming. for that. And then, yeah, the other yeah. news that came out before we start talking about it, we're going to get a show by Discovery. We are into the investigation. <laughs> into that bitch Carol Baskin's dead husband. That definitely got fed to the Tigers. I mean, is that Sardine bitch Carol oil. Baskin? Yeah, it's Killed sardine her oil. With the she sardine oil. This is like the weirdest, most white trash game of Clue I've ever fucking heard of. It was that bitch, Carol Baskin, in the Tiger Sanctuary with the sardine oil. Look, all right, Carol Baskin <laughs> has crazy eyes, and I know a thing about crazy eyes. I have an ex that kind of has that same look about her, and she's crazy. And there's a reason she's your ex. <laughs> yeah. But at least you made it out alive. I did. I got there before the sardine oil. <laughs> yep. And before the convenient quote unquote disappearance. But hey, you know, everybody's now going to buy a tiger with their Trump money. Let's go. Only oh. 2K and a tiger can be yours. And honestly, like, we need to get <laughs> we need to get the Tiger King out of jail. So he needs all the bail money he can get. So we got to buy his tigers. <laughs> you know what? We should get a tiger and name it a thing. The tiger. A tiger thing. <laughs> no, just a thing, the tiger. A thing, colon, the tiger. It's perfect. It's amazing. It's great. Thank it. Anyway, let's talk about actual Tiger King. A show about many things. And couldn't have come at a better time, if I'm being completely honest with you. Tiger King had the complete has. privilege. <laughs> yes, has. Has the complete privilege of coming out right as everyone is stuck at home and has no idea what the fuck to watch. And so we all watched Tiger King, and it has taken over everybody's lives for like the last two weeks, and for good reason. So Nancy, what if I told you there's a show out there about a gay zookeeper who has one of the largest privately owned zoos in North America, He and he also does baby cub pettings and tours them around, and his battle to make sure it's, you know, not illegal anymore. That sounds like a great show. I'd watch, like... At least five episodes of that. 
Okay. What if I told you there's another show about this woman who runs a cat sanctuary whose husband mysteriously disappeared and she was, you know, kind of one of the prime suspects in it. It's about some of that. Hey, I'm always into crime shows and like murder mysteries. That's like right on my alley. I'd watch the fuck out of that. What if I told you there was a murder for plot for higher plot involved? Ooh, see, I'd still watch that too. Still falls in like that same category. And what if I told you there was a series about a gay man meth marrying straight men? Meth, not even once. Now, what if I told <laughs> you all of those were the same show? Then I feel like you and I both watched Tiger King. <laughs> what if I told you there was still more? So much happened in this show. We've got him running for president. No, yeah. And yeah, he ran governor. for president and governor. We have music videos. We have an internet YouTube or like an internet series. We have an entrapping fellow tiger sanctuary runner. Yes. We also have a swinger couple. <laughs> we have a couple of uh, poly relationship couples. <laughs> yeah, a, a couple Our of those, groups. I think. A couple of those groups. We have interesting funeral talks. <laughs> um, we have accidental suicide and the scream that the silent scream that lasts forever. A print I want on my wall. This show has so much, so many layers. It's it's like an ogre. So and an onion. <laughs> where do we want to start, Nancy? What should we talk about first? I say that, like you say that, and here we are. So, um, I, it's hard. It's, it's like, where do we really to know, want to begin? Our main focus of this series is a mullet-toting, gun-firing, gay zookeeper named Joe Exotic. Ah, uh, yes. Joe Exotic. Our main protagonist. <laughs> Mr. Exotic is currently in prison. Yes, for the suspected murder for hire plot and also for killing tigers. Killing nine tigers specifically. He shot him in the head. Boom, dead. So he, he got to the tigers before the tigers could get the Rona. That's and, topical because a tiger has Rona. Right. And Mr. Exotic started a zoo in the memory of his dead brother. Yeah, he had very humble beginnings. Tigers. And he hired a very motley crew of misfits. Yep. And, and he was $160 a week. But they had they had shelter and they food. had they had their pickable Walmart food. <laughs> they yeah. had their expired meats. <laughs> Walmart meat. You remember they called it the Walmart meat. Yep, the so Walmart meat. You gotta be specific there. So like things weren't ideal, but compared to the situations they could have been in, it was actually a pretty sweet gig. Not going to lie, you got to play with these incredible animals like all day and take care of them and bond with them. And then you got you got your meats and you had a place to put your head and then you got to do it all over again. Yeah, it's really a way of life until they bite your arm off. Oh, so Soft yeah. lost their arm. Soft lost his arm. He did their arm. <laughs> There's some tea around that for sure. But I don't know how to be politically correct with this show. Like, I'm sorry, yeah, I was... don't. When you look at Joe Exotic, I don't know how to be politically correct with that man. 
it's really hard to be politi- politically correct with everything that we watched in Joe Exotic. Not going to lie. But I mean, yeah, so. <laughs> my God. There's just so much. Even the, the presidential condoms were toting a line I was not prepared for. <laughs> I. The line of how he got the kid to be gay or something was great. You know, when you watch a porno, do you like the guys with the little bitty dicks or the ones with the big dicks? <laughs> Like big dick, of yeah. course, and it's like, okay, then you're not that straight. Well, then you ain't that straight, are you? Fuck. <laughs> it's like, oh, you really got me there, though. That's like that episode of Catfish. You really got me right. there. And then, well, we'll get to what happens to him. Yes. Eventually. So, Joe Exotic is a gun-touting, politically incorrect gay man who owns a tiger farm in Oklahoma. Yeah. He's got... He had two very lovely husbands. Yes. Life was good for a little while. Well, until- did it end up being three <laughs> lovely husbands in the end? Oh, spoiler alert. I know. But he's still married to one of them. Yes. Turns out the other one's straight, and the other one was kind of straight. But again, <laughs> meth. Not, Not even, even once. <laughs> and everything was going fine and dandy for Joe Exotic until that bitch Carol Baskin came along. And she just had to go and fuck shit up. Carol Pascal so, runs a tiger sanctuary in Florida, the Big Cat Rescue. And for all you cool cats and kittens out there, she doesn't pay her workers. They're volunteers. Yeah. They're, they're doing volunteer work, and they, she even has tiered, so you get different t-shirts to do different things, depending on how many years you've been there. And, yeah, she's... She's got a sweet gig, not can having I, to pay anyone by saying it's volunteer. Hey, can I uh, ask you a question? Yeah. Do you know what color shirt you get for murdering your husband? Uh, that's when you earn the tiger print. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. That's the, so, that's the tiger print here. Okay, okay. Well, I notice only she's the only one who wears them, so, hmm. Must yeah, be a very exclusive think, club. Yeah, not many people kill their husbands, you know, and bury them underneath the septic tank or feed them to tigers. I think she's only two tigers. She had to. I think she fed to the tigers. Yeah, because I mean, if pigs can eat through a human body, why can't a tiger? Well, and I mean, all she has to do is chop it up. I'm sure they have the manes to chop it up at a tiger sanctuary. Oh yeah, because they're dealing with like whole goats and various other livestock that they have to divide and conquer to give to the to tigers. Yeah, they've got nice big meat grinders because we even got an emphasis on the meat grinder. Um, I mean, and tigers need a certain amount of weight of meat per day. And, like, if times are tough and you just so happen to have a millionaire husband just lying He's around, not doing mis- anything. Mistress in Costa Rica that you're not happy about because you're a bitch crazy ice named Carol. But I mean, I don't want to get sued. Um. I mean, Netflix said it first. We're just we're just referencing the show. That's all we're doing. That bitch Carol Baskin killed her husband. Exactly what happened. She fed him to the tigers. Thanks, and then rewrote the will. And then handed it in and took all that money. She used her spousal rights to go get the will from the secretary's desk and change it to say, in event of my death or disappearance. Which is a very oddly specific thing to add to a will before someone fucking disappears. You Hmm. mean after someone fucking disappears? Oh, yes. After someone disappears. It's a good thing that they're revisiting that case to see if she really did murder her husband. What if she... Okay, so all joking aside, what if she actually did? Then we all fucking knew it. 
Does Joe Exotic get out of jail for the slander suits? He better. Joe Exotic's not going to get out of jail, but he's taking everyone with him. I swear he's going to. Oh, yeah. Like, they're not done yet. So This, this documentary had so much tea. Let's talk about an interesting character for a moment, other than Joe and Carol, our main. Let's talk about one of Joe's friends in this series, his mentor, Dr. Mm-hmm. Bhagavan Antle. Say that name and make sure you spell it, because that's exactly what he did. Oh, my God. B-A-I don't give a damn. He's a creepy, oh. entrapping motherfucker. Oh, he's such a groomer, too. Uh. Oh, my goodness. And apparently he's worked with some big names. He did the, he, this guy did the animals with Ace Ventura series. He worked with Britney Spears, Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. He, he did a lot of Hollywood shows with his tigers. And he's a creepy fuck. Yep. He's got so many women that like live with him and like he pays them like a hundred dollars a week. But they have like, some pretty nice houses that they live in, not going to lie, because yeah. they all get their own house. Yep. And, like, you want to have the special treatment, you want to get to the top faster, it's encouraged to sleep with him, and he changes mm-hmm. your name. And You like, start there really young. Like, he hires really young girls. Like, all in all, like, pretty creepy. And, like, he's paid for boob jobs and other types of surgeries. Like, and he picks your outfits. Yep. Isn't it great? It's awesome. Doesn't that sound like fun? No. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Oh, yeah. Every Sounds second like of your it. dream life, Ooh. doesn't it? No. Not even a little. No. Not, Not even, even working close. with the Tigers? No. Okay, so I really do enjoy working with more dangerous and quote-unquote exotic animals. Like, my favorite job was, I was a reptile handler, so I got to hang out with alligators and crocodiles and pythons and um all types of cool shit anacondas have you ever got to feed an anaconda i have like i love i i I honestly i see the allure of having these kind of animals right because like they're just they're so powerful but you know just like have one like you know when you were a kid you're like yeah i want a pet lion like before you like really logistically you really can't have a pet lion before reality set in and like your dreams weren't crushed <laughs> and you still know. have I that mean, sense of wonder but for only 2k you can money. have a tiger yeah so we're all getting money but just having these kinds of animals like i get the allure so go ahead no no sorry go ahead finish up i'm sorry my bad it's just it's just like knowing that you are working with something that can kill you is such like it's an adrenaline rush like every day, but you enjoy it and you still bond with them. And like you have enough mutual respect where it's like, I'm not gonna fuck with you, you're not gonna fuck with me. We cool, I feed you. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. And like you get that respect. And that's nice to have with something that could literally rip your face off without even thinking about it. I mean, you say that, but I mean, Saf lost their arm. They did. It quite literally but- bit the arm that fed them. It did, but she came right back, or they came right back. <laughs> so, I have a question for you. Okay. What's your opinion on Jeff Lowe? I trust him. I think his wife's really cute. Yeah, like, pretty cute. Like, just comparatively to everything else you see on that show, yeah? Yeah, 
like she she tried, but I mean, this and man is definitely like a con man, and like I mean, he knew what he was doing. Like I can't say that he didn't, and like he looks like I don't know. He's like high class white trash, but he's smart. He, he really does look like high class white trash, doesn't he? He's like that guy you'd see right up on the 18-wheeler, or not on the 18 on the ATV wearing Gucci sneakers. High-class white trash. Yep. And, like, and just, like, the way he spends his time, like, yeah, we're going to Vegas. And, like, I was like, dude's, dude's sketch. Like, if you're making a lot of money in Vegas, like, toting tigers around, if you're putting tigers in fucking suitcases. <laughs> right. It's not one of those, like, yeah, you're you're good. You know, having, like, and like the way that he would use tigers to like lure girls in again, like another, he's still like a creep, but I, I think he was much more malicious in his intents than what was, I think, portrayed in the show. And like, I think he yeah. knew what he was doing from the beginning. And then he just was able to find an excuse to look like he got fucked over. Like he found it and then he took it, especially because he knew everything recorded. And I think stupid. that's I think that's exactly it because if you look at the phone records that they presented in the show of him talking to his friend who was supposed to do the the hit, it almost sounds like it was a fabricated story. Yeah, which is funny. Yeah, and it's like he was still like feeding him information. Yeah, like you know, it's like I'm not going to lead you, but here's me leading you. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not supposed to lead you into this, but you know, I don't think that didn't you not go there because even then he said something different in the interview, right? And they all did, and then all of a sudden it changed. Hmm. At least Carol's was kind of consistent. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't get away with murder without like knowing how to stay consistent and play know. the victim. I mean, really well, Jeff Lowe. I mean, it's true. I don't know about that man. That man was creepy. Now, I know who my favorite guy in the entire program was, other than Joe Exotic. Was that our screamer guy? Our guy without two... No, our guy missing his legs. Oh, he he was a G. I'm not going to lie. Like yeah. He was like, I'm just here to do my job, come to work, feed these tigers. Like The tigers didn't even take my legs. Like He was a true like underdog. And like he, he persevered through trials and tribulations. He made it yeah. out okay. Yeah, I mean, he's a hero, and now he's a race car driver. It's really cool. Yeah, so it's good to see. It's good to see his glow up. But yeah, let's talk about what you mentioned there, our screamer guy, because that scene. I, I was shook. I didn't. I didn't. I don't know why I didn't think if there would be footage of this that they wouldn't show it in a documentary. I just wasn't expecting it because usually there's a warning about it. Yeah. And we didn't get that. Like, it was but like, I mean, the lead up was definitely there. You didn't see anything, so to speak, other than a reaction and a flash. But, but you knew. You, Joe's husband shot himself in the head by being a dumbass. Yep. He was probably some type of intoxicated. And yeah, you know, it's a Ruger, man. Rugers don't fire unless there's a clip. And dumbass. Boom. Yep. Because if there's something in the barrel, it's going to fire. That's how guns work. Guys, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. It's sad, it's tragic, meth not even once. 
Yep. But and like just like how they like lingered on it too. It's like the, the, like the reaction the build up the reaction. Like you just and you see like genuine human like shock and emotion and like you just like and they just they drew it out too. Like you watched that entire it was like maybe a minute, minute and a half at most out of like the entire series. But it was still like the most impactful thing that they put in there because it was like there was like no music. It was just like, yeah. you know, they talked and then boom. And then it was just you just watched it. And, and then Joe talks at his funeral. Yes. Yeah, so then we get back to Joe Exotic and why it is the best shit post that Netflix has ever graced us with. He's talking about how big his balls are and him dragging them across his face during the eulogy in front of his parents. Yep. And hung, and a whole bunch of other grieving people too. And then he invited his dead husband's mother to his wedding of his next husband five months later. And then never and talked never to her again. Spoke to her again. Like, oh, I got your blessing. This is okay. All right. I'm out. Peace. Deuces. So like I said, this, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's Reddit post the TV show. Yep. It is. It's got a little bit of everything for everyone. Like you have people with really bad tattoos and missing teeth. You get, you get all the, it's not gay cause meth in it. And then you get cool tigers. Like what's not to love about the show. <laughs> Carol Baskin. Cause she's a bitch. Yep. That bitch, Carol Baskin. Bitch girl Baskin killed her husband. Have we, is there anybody we haven't talked about yet that we need to mention? No, I think we got we got all the key players for sure. And yeah, so Joe's in jail for the plot to murder Carol Baskin. He hired one of the guys Joe brought onto the zoo to go down to Florida and kill her. After and the FBI found out because another one of the guys that was hired by Jeff was an informant. <laughs> And that's how it went down. Yeah. No. <laughs> like. It, and like we were saying, like there was a change in the story. Like it's like he didn't take any. He did take money, and he ended up somewhere else. And it's all very fishy. Joe. Okay. Before we actually do wrap any of this up, I still can't believe Joe Exotic ran for fucking president. Yeah, we can't really gloss over that. And he was like and, an actual. Like he contended, he got like <laughs> he got he votes. got a full campaign going. He got he votes. He got condoms, lingerie, like the works. And I also can't let us glance over the fact that Joe Exotic has music videos and a career in 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 records, and it's not him singing. <laughs> Nope, it's amazing. But he definitely recorded the music videos, though, and they are golden. (laughs) But no, so you can tell it's not him. So he's sitting there in his truck. He's like, I like to listen to myself every morning sing as I drive. And he's not even on key with himself singing. I know. And like, even like the music videos, like the lips aren't synced up properly. And like, he like never really looks at the camera. He's always like looking off to the side with like his hands like around his belt and like, kind of singing the words but like it also doesn't really look like he actually knows the words like <laughs> like shout out if you're the ghost singer on these joe exotic albums we want to get a hold of you 
We want to know what this was like. And if it was before or after he burned down his alligator enclosure. And killed a lot of alligators. And tigers. Oh my. Oh my. So <laughs> I guess with that, we'll wrap up some Tiger King talk. We may bring this back from time to time. And especially after the next episode comes. Yeah, we definitely can't miss out on that. Because we are all the memes have been glorious. And I'm ready to ride, the, ride this Tiger King wave until the end. I might even think about getting myself a mullet. Oh, Lord. Please don't. <laughs> but I at won't. that point, Nancy, what do you give this on the rating scale? Ooh. I'm honestly, I think I'm going to give it a D10. Okay. It's not a perfect D20. No. Because... I- like, it was just, like, a lot to take in at once. And, like, some of it got really just, like, convoluted. And I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? And, like, even when we watched it together, we both were just like, what the fuck is this? But because of that, it brought it up to the D10. <laughs> but brought I, it down from the D20. Well, I guess you forgot that there was the D12. Because that's what I'm giving it. Oh, Yeah. I have a couple other issues with the show, too. But it's it's okay. Well, and there's a lot of reasons I'm not giving it a D20. Um, there's a lot, but it's great. I am going to be watching it again. And I'll watch it probably a couple more times because there's a lot more to digest into this show than I saw at the first casual glance. Yep. Um, got to do analysis. And, we got to do murder investigation. And we have a lot of work know, to do. And with another episode coming, that rating could change down to a 10. I doubt it's going to go up to a 20. The show doesn't hit. You'll you'll see what shows I'm going to write a D20 soon. We'll get there. Um, But this one is for sure. For me, it's just it's a good, solid, great choice. If you want something to watch, watch it. You'll at least be entertained. So, yep. It really does. It has a little bit of everything. And on that note, I guess... I'm going to ditch this one for a little bit longer and I'm going to go hook back up with Mr. Junkie here. We're going to finish off part two of WrestleMania. Hey there, Thing of Tears. Have you been wanting to slide into my DM? Well, now's your chance. So make sure you talk to us at athingpod at gmail.com. All right, we're back with Mr. Pop Culture Junkie and we're going into night two of WrestleMania 36 because it was too big for one night. Can't contain all this ex- excitement in one day, let alone one evening. Come on, you gotta have it all weekend. And where night one had some brilliant flashes in the pan, other over otherwise nothing. Night two really has much of nothing except for well, then we'll get to the funhouse. Yeah, the fire, Firefly Funhouse saved night two. Yes, because night two, we're just going to jump into it. Why did they have Charlotte win against Rhea Ripley? Why? Oh, because... why, are they, why, why? Because they need a big name on NXT because it's on TNT? But wouldn't it be better or USA, not to TNT. Have... I'm sorry, AEW is on TNT. My bad. Oh, yeah, USA me. is NXT. But wouldn't it have been even better to have your NXT champ beat Somebody you're already calling the greatest women's wrestler champion of all time? Wouldn't that put her over even better? 
than putting the belt on someone that doesn't need the belt. Right. I mean, and burying a good talent that you built up over the last year. I can just hear Triple H as this match was happening, going in the background and just screaming into every hallway, doorway imaginable. Just, I'm like, why, Vince? Why? So, <laughs> Triple H manages NXT, right? He runs it, yeah. So, all right. So, real quick to get into it. So, who runs Raw? Raw? I mean, everything is ran by Vince, but I know, there's but producers. So, so, like, Triple H is a, NXT. Triple H is NXT. Uh, you have guys like Bruce Pritchard, who uh, is, like, head of creative or head of the... Uh, well, he's a producer, or just call it that. Gotcha. Uh, so, it's... Things like that. Like, you have... You have, like, Paul Heyman, I believe, is in charge of... I believe Paul Heyman is in charge of SmackDown, and Bruce is in charge of Raw, but I could be wrong. Flip-flop, what? either way. I'd say I think Heyman's in charge of whatever promotion Brock's on. No, he might be raw then. Okay. Yeah, if he's on, if he's, <clears throat> I think he's with whatever Brock's on. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, yeah, I could imagine Triple H being really mad about this because there is no need for Charlotte to win other than to give her another belt to get closer to the amount that her dad had. Yeah, and it's like okay. Charlotte has been on the main roster for give or take five years, and now she's 10 time world champ. One time, or not, well, she won the NXT belt back when she was in NXT five years earlier, and now she's got the belt again. Yay. Uh, okay, but that also means you've lost the world titles 10 times in only five years. Her daddy, Ric Flair, he would hold the, the NWA championship for a year at a time, going around to all the territories defending it left and right to you know against great legends and whatnot how many great title matches has charlotte had i can't recall <laughs> it's like I, i'm looking back at you know any matches she's had i'm like that wasn't a great story or that wasn't a great feud she just won the belt lost the belt won the belt lost the belt yay <laughs> it's almost like they don't know how to manage her it's it's a running uh it's a uh, constant running issue uh, with a lot of things, or a lot of people. They don't know how to how to properly book. Yeah, because I honestly, between the two matches, this one as an opening card, it was lame. Yeah, and, and this it made one no sense. really suffered from a lack of crown, like a lot of it. Really, you could tell needed the crowd. Well, two years ago, you had the first women's Royal Rumble match, and the winner was Asuka, who was currently undefeated at that time. She had never lost a match. She was NXT champ for almost two years, and she just forfeited the belt. She never lost it. So she went into the main roster undefeated, won the women's uh, Royal Rumble, went into WrestleMania to challenge Charlotte, and then Charlotte beats her. (laughs) Yep. Uh, and and here's the thing: Charlotte's finisher is the uh, the figure eight, where she puts her puts your opponent in the figure four leg lock, and then she just does a bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as she was in the figure four, barely bridging, Oscar was tapping. At least Ripley was allowed to hang in there for a little bit before tapping. She had to cry first. I remember seeing her crying, like, "Oh yeah, because oh her God, knee, it's over, yeah. and her oh. knee, and yeah, it's yeah." Like, oh. oh, but that that brings up one thing I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you enjoy Rhea Ripley's wrestling gear? Yeah, I but also understand it, she was dressed as somebody you might know. 
Yeah, but it also explains why she lost. Vegeta never wins. <laughs> it's like, Vegeta never wins. I knew she was going to lose the minute she came out looking like Vegeta. I was like, yep, that's an obvious plan. She's losing this match. Yeah. But I don't like the allegory that Charlotte's Goku, because Charlotte's a horrible Goku. Yeah, I, I like Charlotte. I think she's you know good and all, but they are pushing her way too many times too often, and you're burying a lot of good talent that's not going to recover. Right. So yep, yeah, it was um, well, it was a disappointing start to the night. Yeah, so we'll move on up to, on our list here and talk not about the next match, Alistair Black versus Bobby Lachey, Black pins, end of match. Yep. All thanks to Lana. Lana was like, Bobby, don't don't do the Domineer. I'll, you should do the spear. And he's like, Yeah, I'll do that. All right. And then boom, kick to the face. I lost. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> over. Yeah. So. The next thing we're going to talk about is Otis defeating Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> this, so what do you know? What do you know about this matchup at all? Apparently, Otis didn't man. I honestly not much. I I got what they <laughs> planted at WrestleMania, and I'd like to know more. Okay, so uh, real real quick uh, summary. So Otis is part of a tag team called heavy machinery. His partner's Tucker and Otis. They've been doing these backstage segments at uh, random times on SmackDown where Mandy Rose, the, uh, the goddess Mandy Rose, as she's called, um, or wait, is that Alexa bliss? I don't know. Either way, Mandy Rose is, is a goddess in her own right. So <laughs> Otis, uh, was like, obviously attracted to Mandy, like any man with a brain would, uh, or without a brain. And uh, he's just constantly like, oh, she's, you know, she's cute. Yeah, you know, Tucker, she's cute. Or he'll, he'll say, Tucky, she, you know, oh, I like Mandy. But, of course, everyone's like, oh, you know, a guy like Otis could never get a girl like Mandy. And they've dropped little hints throughout the weeks of flirtation. Uh, Otis would give her, like, a present and, uh, you know, something to try to, you know, win her over. At the Rumble, they had, uh, during the women's Rumble match, Mandy is uh, thrown over the top rope and you think she's eliminated, but then the camera goes around to the side where she should be laying on the ground. And Otis had rolled out from underneath the ring and she had landed on Otis. And since your feet didn't touch the ground, she's still in the match. So she stands up and is standing on Otis and hops back in and continues in the match for a little while. Huge pop. Place went nuts when that happened. I was there live in the arena at Minute and the pl- place went nuts when they saw Otis helping Mandy, you know, keep her uh, chance in the Rumble for a little bit more. So then this sets up a uh, date on Valentine's Day. Otis and Mandy are going to get together for dinner. Uh, when Otis shows up at the restaurant, though, he walks into the restaurant and sees Mandy Rose is sitting at the table. But across from her is Dolph Ziggler, who just happened to show up allegedly and Otis doesn't do anything. He just drops the flowers he had prepared to give Mandy and walks away all sad. And then in the coming weeks, you see Mandy and Dolph starting to build a relationship like they're dating real and all that. Uh, They'd post Instagram pictures of them together. Uh, Sonya Deville is Mandy's bestie and uh, tag partner when they were, you know, wrestle. But then on this last week of SmackDown prior to the, Mania, we got a uh, behind-the-scenes video from some Big Brother character they're introducing now. 
over the last like couple months, we've seen like in during a match or during a promo, unrelated, a digital effect would come on the screen of an envelope and a circle with lights, and uh, it looked like Iron Man's chest uh, kind of thing lit up, <clears throat> and uh, somebody almost like anonymous drops a video and says, you know, we're here to tell the truth, and they show a hidden camera that shows. Back on Valentine's, before Mandy uh, got to the restaurant, Sonia sent a text message to Otis from Mandy's phone saying, hey, I'm going to be late or whatever. But Sonia also got Dolph to go to the restaurant. But Mandy, I'm sorry, Sonia says, oh, you do this. You're going to get what you want, which I guess he wants Mandy. And she says, I'll get what I want. We still don't have a clue what that is, by the way, what uh, Sonia wants. Okay. So that's, that leads all the way up to this. So uh, at SmackDown this past week, after that little video, uh, behind-the-scenes video was played, uh, this was during a match of Tucker versus Dolph, and Sonya's at ringside, and uh, Mandy shows up and smacks... Uh, oh, no, 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 wait, that happened at the show. What happened at uh, SmackDown? Oh, no, no, Mandy's just uh, annoyed and, and wondering what's going to happen at the... Uh, uh, she's, she's annoyed by what she just saw, and she walks off. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So that leads us to the match Otis versus Dolph with Sonya in uh, Dolph's corner. And uh, okay. the match was okay. Uh, we see Dolph uh, hit Otis from behind with a low blow. He kicks him in the balls from behind. And when that happens, we get Mandy's music, which, oh my God, if this had been in, in, a, in the actual arena with a crowd, uh, once Mandy came out, first of all, looking freaking amazing in her, oh. her outfit. But as soon as she got to the ring and smacked Sonya, that would have had a huge pop from the live audience. Oh, I, I'm sure, yeah. Because that just... <sighs> and yeah. in the end, Otis gets the girl. Yeah, uh, Mandy low blows Dolph, and then Otis hits the uh, Caterpillar elbow drop, gets the pen, holds up... Uh, or, no, Mandy holds up his, his his hand for the victory, and then he gets to carry her in his arms, and they kiss. And Otis laid it in there. If you were watching closely, he yes. really was like, "He's like, I, I only get this once. <laughs> I'm gonna make the most of it." I mean, who wouldn't? It's like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> like, just and credit to Dolph. He was he's a good technical guy. He was able to put over Otis in this too pretty well. He sold very well when he was hit. Dolph is somebody that we should be saying, like, wow, can't believe he's only held the title six, seven times or whatnot. He hasn't even had it that many times. It's, he's, he's somebody a- that is unbelievably <laughs> underrated. And, hey. And, yeah, he should be way, you know, way bigger than he is. Yeah, he seems like someone to keep an eye on. They need to do more with him. He's just, every time I've seen him, he's just been a constant heel. Yeah. So it was him. At, I think one of the first times that he came out of my radar when I when we first started doing these little novice guide type things was um, around SummerSlam time with his match with Goldberg. Mm, that's true, if I remember correctly. Because yeah. again, I'm not a wrestling fan, but just seeing yeah. him, even then with him against Goldberg, I mean, he's against Goldberg. You do what you got to do. It's a two minute match, but he did well. <clears throat> I mean, he gave Goldberg, or he sold the spear better than anyone has in the longest time yeah that's why he's that's why he's so good he can he can sell moves and matches and make you know make people look good that's why he's a good hand to have uh but 
I think they've never fully taken advantage of all that he can actually bring as a as a as a talent. He's got the ability to be your top guy, and they just never have pushed him uh, to be that. No, and definitely has the talent. So yeah. maybe they'll give him some credit. But something that doesn't deserve any credit that we're still going to end up talking about because it was just kind of like a car wreck. It kept going <laughs> and going, and you just couldn't stop. And it happened in slow motion, and it felt like forever. And it was 30 minutes long, and I don't understand it. But Edge versus Randy Orton, the, the betrayal of Randy Orton against Edge after saying to get RKO, <sighs> rated RKO back together again. And then he betrays him and beats him <clears throat> savagely, and then he RKO's his wife, and Edge has grit, and he's gonna fight him, but <laughs> Randy's doing it because he loves Edge, and all the drama that unfolded before this match, and Edge crying before he starts beating Randy with a chair, and... Before he murdered him. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Last Man Standing match. I, I don't like Last Man Standing matches at all because I hate... You have to wait for the ref to count to ten every time, and it's like okay, eight, nine. It's, oh my god! Oh, he's up. We gotta start all over. Oh god, son of a. Uh, here, uh, here's what annoyed me about this. Okay, well, so much about it annoyed me. But uh, if you watch NXT, anyone listening that watches NXT, they fought from the ring to the ringside to the back into the uh, weight room and office area. Uh, there's two way, way talented guys uh, named Johnny Gargano and uh, Tommaso Ciampa. They're NXT. They're NXT for lifers. They just did all that like three weeks ago on NXT. They fought through the backstage into the workout area, into the office area. That All that area that Orton and Edge fought in, they did that just three weeks or so prior on NXT on USA. <laughs> so right. it was like, okay, let's just copy what they did. Okay, thanks, Vince. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, this just went on way too long and I don't really know if I want to keep going and on. It, it, it on went way too it. long. It went way too long. Uh and again, we talked about this on the first day, how you could be watching the show. You could be watching that match of all matches and turn your head away. And just listen to what's going on, and you'd swear you're watching gay porn. Because all I could hear was two guys grunting and moaning because of yes. the, the lack of audience. So you have guys, you know, they're hitting each other with, with weapons and, you know, furniture, as they call it, and everything. But they're just, oh, oh, oh. It's like, okay, I don't need to hear y'all grunting for 33 minutes yeah, plus. Yeah, that was just way overdone. And... Yeah. This match was just—it was just boring. It—it it was. It was. There was nothing that stood out to me as anything original because, again, Gargano Champa had done a lot of it already. I've seen numerous backstage and, fights and uh, Falls Count Anywhere matches that lead into back areas and such. And I was like, it's just the same stuff again and again. And I was more disappointed that okay, this is Edge's first match since WrestleMania 27, where at WrestleMania 27, he was defending the World Heavyweight title. He came out on Raw the next night and had to forfeit the belt because he was legit injured. And he was told, 
if you take one more bump, you could be paralyzed. Legit, true story. He could be paralyzed. He had to walk away as champ. Yep. And didn't think he'd ever wrestle again. Now he came back at the Rumble, blew the roof off the place at Minute Maid, and now this is our first storyline, and it was like, oh, okay, let's just get it over with. This needs to just be a regular match in front of fans. Yeah. It should have been delayed. It should have been pushed. I mean, they, they did a gimmick where they had Orton, uh, you know, he RKO'd him on Raw, and then he did the concerto thing with the chair underneath his head yes. and smacks him. I'm like, okay, you can ride off edge until SummerSlam. If we're going to get SummerSlam in front of a show, of a crowd, you just wait they, till then. Yeah, they really could have just waited until the next live appearance and had Edge come back. Yeah, and by the ending of this match, where we see Edge murder Orton on top of the semi-trailer with the chairs, by all logic, I'm like, okay, so Orton's retired, he, he's dead, and he won't ever show up again. But no, he'll probably be on, on uh, let's see, what is he on, Raw? Yeah, he'll be on Raw in like three weeks, probably, if, if not two weeks. <laughs> right yeah so we'll move on to the next match because our awkward pause there tells us this is way way too dumb of a match yep so let's talk about the most exciting thing that happened this night other than the fun house rob gronkowski ladies and gentlemen is your 24 7 title champion best I mean, should, best 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 title in the entire thing i mean first of all should gronk be wearing a helmet uh, like twenty four seven, just gives that vibe. I'm sure he got hit in the head a lot when he was oh, playing. Oh, he did. But, but I love Gronk. Yeah. I can't help but love Gronk. <laughs> I mean, there were parts though for for whenever he'd be on camera announcing, and I'd just be like, "Are they like, are, are they checking to make sure he's all there?" Sometimes because you just be like, "Do you know what you're saying?" Sometimes, dude. Yeah, just I don't know. The guy's uh, he's he's a wacky person, party guy, and I was just yeah, it was a weird weird vibe. But yes, he is our new and current 24-7 champion. I'm all right uh, with that. It's the best title he ever won. It's even more valuable to him than his Super Bowls. <laughs> I love this title. I'm sorry. The 24-7 title is the absolute best gimmick they have going in the belts. And the reason I'm, you know, I'm going to keep saying belt, fuck it, I don't care, because Gronk wears pants. Yep. belt. There you go. But he jumped off and i'm putting more into this than i am the entire description of the last match he jumped off of his little balcony to pin mojo to get the title yeah. that mojo pushed him off of the night before because grok just stood there like eh, i'll take it although i have to say mojo's shoulders were not down if you if you see the pile of jobbers that uh Gronk i know fell on Mojo landed on one of the jobber's legs, and his left shoulder is on the guy's thigh when he's being pinned. It was not down. So No, but you gotta yeah. give Gronk the belt, because Gronk can run. Gronk can probably outrun everybody <laughs> in the entire Fair. roster. Fair this enough. Man, this Fair man may enough. never lose the 24-7 title. Like, a year from now, Gronk's gonna <laughs> lose it. He'll lose it next year, Mania. <laughs> no, he's gonna go to a super... He's gonna go to an NFL game in Tampa Bay when everything oh, okay. can go together again, and he's gonna lose it to Tom Brady. There you go. Get a roll up on the 50 yard line. How about that? And then Tom Brady's going to lose it to Hulk Hogan. And that's what's going to happen. Because, brother. Because <laughs> why not? If Gronk can win the belt, anything can happen. Well, because, you know, he's got to lose to a real American hero. So Hulk Hogan, there you go. Right. <laughs> so the next match, I will say, was exactly what was needed after the Edge versus Orton match. Hashtag blame Orton for that. But this match was. <laughs> boring it wasn't memorable 
it didn't you had told me kind of your opinion of it was it didn't really fit and need to be here but after the travesty that followed it or that preceded it rather it fits it works it was it's not worth diving into though uh so that would be the the, uh... street profits retaining their raw tag team championships so yeah. I don't know if there's much time to spend on this one, but it was needed as a palate cleanser after that 30-minute boring-ass match. This, to me, as, not to take anything away from the Street Profits, but it, to me it turned into this is the, the get-up-and-go-get-some-nachos-at-the-food-stand, go-take-a-piss-break, because you needed something to come down from a 37-minute match that went way too long as it is. So yeah, you would need this to, okay, let's go, you know, get another slice of pizza from the kitchen, or let's go outside and get a smoke break if that's your thing, whatever. But uh, this match, it was just thrown on there. You had uh, Angel Garza, who uh, has only been on the main roster for a few weeks or so, and Austin Theory is still in NXT. Um, Originally, though, Austin Theory wasn't the person in this match. It was actually going to be Andrade San Almas, the U.S. champ. He was going to be the one in that tag match. Uh, but he also has, uh, he at least mentioned it a few times. I don't know if it's legit, but he was also saying he wasn't going to be part of these uh, because he didn't want to be in the, uh, uh, he didn't want to be out in the public because of all the uh, pandemic going on, just like Roman Reigns uh, pulled out of doing the uh, Goldberg uh, uh, Universal title match. Yeah. So but yeah, it was, it was an okay match. I'm glad the Street Profits retained and we did get to see Bianca Belair show up. Uh, to help out in the end. And, uh, I'm not sure if that means she's going to be on Raw or SmackDown the next uh, night or so, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, but let's move on, because the next match was interesting, because it broke social... So, for every reason in night one that they had a ladder match with three people, they could have applied it to this match because they had five people plus the ref plus the camera crew. That's more than your social distancing requires. Yeah. And they did a five-way match for the SmackDown Ladies Championship and maybe backdoor set up a feud between Sasha Banks and Bailey. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in the, like the second stage of a very slow burn of Sasha and Bailey, which... This is a feud that has happened before. They feuded in NXT. They feuded over the last few years, or maybe like I think it ended about a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, they ended their last feud, but they feuded before over whatever belt. Didn't matter NXT, Raw, SmackDown, whatever. Um, so we're in the middle of a slow burn. It will eventually get there, but everyone thought it was going to happen here at the show. But instead, we just got a little tease, which is fine. Leave it and let it slow burn until you hopefully get in front of an audience that can actually react to it. That was the biggest problem with both nights is you don't have a crowd for the wrestlers to feed off of, and you need that to really get your adrenaline going, your momentum going. Uh, You have better matches when you have someone to feed off of, whether it's a crowd of 10 or 80,000, whatever. Um, And actually, you brought up the thing about the uh, social distancing, Originally, they announced this as a six-pack elimination match. There were supposed to be six women, but I guess because it's supposed to be like, what, six is like the limit, I think, that they're recommending. So they had to take one out so you could have the ref in the ring at the same time with all five women. But then uh, you've got the two announcers in the camera crew. 
Oh, but the announcers are way over there. They're they're you know a good six feet away. <laughs> <laughs> Still too many people. But look, other than the fact that this is a five way match and it started up a backdoor feud, Bailey retains uh-huh. her title, and it's not memorable other than that. No, at least I no. don't feel. No, uh, there wasn't any. The biggest moment I remember from this match didn't need to happen. You have uh, Bailey, multi-time champ. Naomi, multi-time champ. Sasha Banks, multi-time champ. And then you have Lacey Evans, who has not won the title yet, but she's very talented, and she should have won the title by now. And then we have Tamina. And they're billing her as the, you know, just because of her size, they're making her to be like, oh, she's the, the real challenge. She hasn't wrestled in like a year. She only wrestles every so often. She, she's mainly known as a tag partner to Nia Jax at times. And that's about it. She's the daughter of the great Superfly Jimmy Snuka, who's no longer with us. But that's you know that's her legacy there is just being the daughter of a great mm-hmm. wrestler. But yeah, uh, the moment that I didn't care for is they had all four other women pile on top of Tamina to eliminate her, and I'm like, yeah, you haven't wrestled in how long, and we need to have you pinned by all four women. That's that makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand it either. No, I mean, I guess they were trying to make her look strong, but I'm like, no, it doesn't make. It. If you had built up Tamina to be this big monster, maybe, but we haven't I seen her in we'll months. S- I guess we'll see what they do with her in the future, <laughs> if anything. Right. So, I want to move on quickly from that to what is probably my favorite thing—not my favorite match, but my favorite thing mm-hmm. out of this entire two-night event. Um. I don't know how this happened. I don't know if there's a backstory to it. I don't know much behind any of it other than it was a fever dream of wrestling nostalgia that even I was like, oh my God, I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that. And I got to see The Fiend. I got to see Bray Wyatt be goofy. John Cena be John Cena, which is John Cena. (laughs) And... What the hell was this Firefly Funhouse match, and can we have more of them? Yeah, this was a interesting uh, concept, to say the least. It, I didn't know what to expect. Um, Bray Wyatt has had, uh, what did they call it? They had a House of Horrors, not House of Horrors, House of Horrors match. Two, three years ago, I think it was against Randy Orton, where they uh, they just built or they set up a abandoned house for them to just beat each other up in. They went room to room, just destroying everything. And you had little uh, puppetry moments and special effect moments to you know use the little uh, bit of uh, mystical powers that Bray Wyatt yeah. had. Uh, that was interesting for that match. This one, I thought, oh, we're going to get the same kind of thing again. They're going to just put a house together, but it'll be, you know, Bray Wyatt. So, Mr. Junkie, there's got to be some backstory to this other than just what, you know, we saw here between John Cena and Bray Wyatt the Fiend. Um, I know they mentioned he had a feud with him kind of in a past in like his old gimmick. Um, So I guess my question for you is, do you think the fiend's kind of him going after his old grudges? Yeah, totally. It's uh, you've we've seen 
uh, Bray Wyatt against other guys that he's had matches or feuds with, storylines with, long before he started up with the new uh, Mr. Rogers fiend character with the original Bray Wyatt persona. And we're seeing how they're really doing a smart thing where, okay, Cena and Bray had a match at WrestleMania like six years ago, and Cena won, even though I think Bray should have gone over. And instead of just trying to have another match just to have a match, they bring up the history, which they don't usually do that a lot. They kind of you know, like to hide a lot of their history. That's what Vince likes to do. And instead, they said, you know what, let's, let's take that and let's turn it into something else. And you have Bray saying all these things about what happened at the previous match. And they incorporated it into the Firefly Funhouse, uh, especially like you see the moment where He's literally telling him, you had a chance, you had a choice last time where he hands him the steel yeah. chair. And he's like, you made the wrong choice. Make it, make the right choice. Where he's literally on his knees in the ring at WrestleMania 30, I think it was, and saying, finish me. And he didn't. He threw the chair down. This time he, he took a swing, but swing and a miss. <laughs> because they're in the funhouse. Yes. And it's like, okay, is Cena actually having this match is this all in his head is he dreaming is he drugged what's happening there's so many things that you don't know for sure or why this is happening the way it is and it's just and it's also cena versus cena he's fighting himself he's fighting his different personas or his yeah. character as it, it uh, evolved yeah it shows him um you know it shows him at his debut, shows him as a rapper, shows him against Wyatt at 30, and then mm. for some reason you get John Cena as Hulk Hogan. Oh my god, NWO Hogan. NWO I love it too, brother. Oh god. But oh, Okay, let's back up first before we get too far ahead of ourselves. The very beginning, you see Cena show up, he walks out in front of the fist. I love that they had the fist from the original SmackDown stage. I missed that. That was cool. He shows up wearing his tights, and it's when he shouts ruthless aggression and tries to swing at Bray multiple times. Bray keeps ducking them. And I love the, the next punch. Cena throws a punch. Bray just looks at him. You can look, but you can't touch. And it's every wrestling hardcore fan is flipping out because we know, oh, that's a shot. That's a Nikki Bella shot from their interest music. You can look, but you can't touch who, of course, former girlfriend of Cena. <laughs> right. I could not believe they referenced that. I loved it. I flipped uh, out. I, that was good. My favorite was Puppet. It, I mean, the things that you know that Vince okayed to go into this. Because it showed <sighs> you an episode of WCW Nitro, which was... Oh, with Bray as Bischoff? Yes, and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you got to see classic WWF kind of you stuff. Got Saturday night's main event with Vince McMahon, God. Mercy the Buzzard as Jesse Ventura. Ventura. <laughs> yes, Puppet and, Vince and Mercy the Buzzard. And what does Vince uh, on commentary say when oh, he sees this? Oh, this is good shit. Oh, this it's is good such shit. good shit! <laughs> so, uh, uh, I know you, have, you, you don't know where that came from, so let me share no, with you. please. So, about... A year ago, right now, about a year ago, right now, Chris Jericho has a podcast. Okay, not to plug a podcast on a podcast, but Chris Jericho does have a podcast. 
And he had Dean Ambrose on there as a guest following his exit from WWE. Dean Ambrose had you know, just left WWE, and he was out, not under contract. Jericho brought him in to interview him, and Dean Ambrose spoke very truthfully about his past three, four years in WWE, uh, or four years, I think he'd been there, but he speaks very truthfully about happenings in the, in the backstage areas, the creative, uh, his frustrations that he had with creative and Vince. And <laughs> the big thing he would talk about when he would mention uh, Vince McMahon is Vince would say to him, okay, so we want you to do this and this. We want your character to do this. And Ambrose would just look at him and like, you want me to do what? You want me to pretend like this is what? You know, how, how am I supposed to pull this off? How am I supposed to make this you know, story work with this stupid, just maniacal, dumb, idiotic stuff you want me to do? And Vince would just reply, oh, it's such good shit. The fans will love it. And it's like, no, they're not. They're not going to like this. This sucks. I can't make this work, and I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So that's what, that's what uh, Dean Ambrose would say in the, com- in the uh, podcast sharing with Jericho. Fast forward to today, uh, Dean Ambrose is uh, now wrestling under his real name, which is John Moxley. And for those of you in the wrestling fan <laughs> uh, community, you know him as your current AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, we had a quote from uh, Vince Puppet, which was actually from John Moxley, the AEW Champion. Wow. That was, like, shocking for uh, another re- main number of reasons there. <laughs> that Vince approved that to happen. That was... Yeah, because everything goes through Vince. So he had to approve that. <laughs> and you just get all of this flashes through wrestling's past as they like he fights oh, against you know he tries to wrestle against Bray and then himself and the fiend just mandible yeah. claws him let's not forget we got to see Bray muscle man Bray oh uh, muscle made Bray with, savage with, uh, with Cena behind the blue blues yep such good callouts to wrestling's past, the 80s, the 90s. You even got the old WWE Raw Cena's debut. It was just. And I'm glad Cena was able. And Cena's the kind of guy that can just poke fun at himself. So, as you heard me mention, I said, you know, John Cena's not afraid to make fun of himself. He's also not afraid to not be seen and ruin the rest of my recording. Fucking John Cena. I mean, I have no problem making fun of him either, as all of our lovely thingateers know. But now he's coming after the podcast, and that's not cool, man. Like, he came after not my cool. livelihood. Didn't even get to let me finish talking about the WrestleMania matches with Mr. Junkie before he said, nope, I'm perma-banning y'all from talking the rest of this. By the way, Brock Wrestler <laughs> lost. Uh, Drew McIntyre is your WWE champion. Match took, like, two seconds. I, because it's lost, <laughs> I, gave the, I gave WrestleMania a D10. Okay. Kevin Owens' match was my favorite match. There's my little recap of it. <laughs> recap Thank of you to the Mr. lost Junkie, tapes. Who Thank you, Mr. Junkie. Joined us and 
please check out his video. He, he's been just still able to do his mystery mini Mondays, even with the shortness of things, because he has stockpiles in the backlogs. And give him some support, because I know every click helps him out in these trying times as well. And really appreciative he was able to take time out of his busy schedule to join me for two hours of wrestling talk. Even though y'all didn't get the full two hours. Hey. Yeah, but I did. Thanks, John Cena. John you Cena. Cena. Cena, bruh. Nah, bruh. Nah, bruh. Kind of like Hunters this week was like, nah, bruh. Nah. Nah, that's coming next week. We, again, time is irrelevant in, in these trying times. Yeah. So we're legitimately quarantined. Yeah, you are for sure. But Let we'll me... take our. Okay, there another time next week more next week on that conversation yes well we're gonna take our quarantine time with hunters with our double whammy episode next week hey. and maybe i'll do more animal crossing talk next week yeah great and final fantasy 7 remake comes out on the 10th and i will not be covering it next episode my copy does not arrive until the 14th thank you coronavirus dis- delays on amazon i don't have to worry about that <laughs> i have nothing to do for another two and a half weeks yay so until then thing of tears remember to wash your hands and hot dogs or sandwiches hot dogs are not sandwiches fuck off Hot dogs or sandwiches, it is meat between two pieces of bread. It is a split roll. It is a meat. It is a sandwich. We're going to talk more about this next week because you're still wrong. I'm still right. Webster's backs me up. Thing of tears, let's start the debate. Next week, we're going to get heated. Fuck Webster. I have beef with Webster, too. We could talk about that, too. Sounds good to me. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Listen here, you motherfucker. I'm just trying to help you, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Right. Bye, thing of tears. Tears.